For everyone to whom much is given from him, much will be required. To whom much has been committed of him, they will ask the more. The judge of this earth, we need to understand that the judge of this earth is, is both righteous and just. God is both righteous, he is also just. And so he is going to do what is right. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taking you for a ride. You've got to let go and let God. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. All right, you can turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So today we're going to look at a message that I titled, We Walk by Faith, 2 Corinthians 5 verses 1 through 11. We're going to see a tent or a house in verses 1 through 4, faith or sight, verses 5 through 9, and the Bema Seat, verses 10 and 11. It's really the teaching on the portion of the Bema Seat that caused me to slow down this teaching this week because I didn't want to quickly go over that. It's so important for us to understand uh, the Bema Seat. So we have this confidence then in verses 6 through 8. He says, our confidence, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Yes, we walk by faith and not by sight. We have this confidence, yes, Well, please, rather, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We have this confidence. It's a Greek word that refers to having this firmness. I like the description of this. To have a confidence, a firmness, a purpose in the face of danger or testing. Does that make sense? To have this confidence. It's easy to say we have a confidence when we're not being tested, when there's no danger in front of us. Yeah, I have a confidence in Jesus. But when the pressure's there, when the testing is there, when the danger is there, and we stand in our faith, that's the meaning of this word confidence. We are standing firm in the face of danger or testing. It speaks to having that confidence courage or to be bold in our faith with our faith comes this understanding that while we remain in these earthly houses these tents these buildings of flesh however you want to describe it paul says as long as we're in these bodies we are not at home with the lord to be absent from the body is to be present with the lord 
I often use this passage at funerals of believers because that's a, a truth that we believe. If I'm doing a funeral for someone that doesn't know Jesus or we're not sure they didn't live a life of faith and there's no evidence of it, as a preacher, this preacher cannot say that he's in a better place, she's in a better place. I kind of, I preach the gospel, I talk about the person, decisions have already been made, so I won't use this verse. If I don't believe that they knew Jesus as their Savior at that particular funeral, I will not say the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present for the Lord. That's the truth, but I would not apply it to the individual who just passed away. It's for believers that we hold on to this hope. Philippians 3, verses 20 and 21, Paul explains it this way. Our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies that we may be conformed into his glorious body, according to the working that which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Our citizenship is in heaven. 2020, the year of the coronavirus, I think many governors struggled with people living in their states with the mindset of believers who, who say, our citizenship, though we live in the United States, is not here in the United States. Our citizenship is in heaven. And so it's necessary for us to gather and to worship Jesus. In fact, it is in Scripture, a command of Scripture, that we are to gather together and to worship our Lord Jesus. It also plays into that verse that says, we walk by faith and not by sight. Because if we were to totally walk by sight, then we would believe everything that the government says. And yet, uh, sometimes things just don't seem to make sense. Honestly, they don't. And so you think, this person says this, and this person says that. I don't know what to believe. So you have to learn to walk by faith. We need to learn to walk by faith and not by sight. It does not mean that you take dumb risk. You do your best to take the information that's being given you and you conduct yourself trusting, praying, but you take the information and you do your best with it. You don't take needless risk. Needless risk can cost you your life. To walk by faith and not by sight means that we have learned to walk in the promises of God amid the trials of this life. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. But also those who have died in the Lord. We are not waiting as Christians it's not in the Bible. We're not waiting 
to find soul sleep or purgatory. It's not mentioned in the Bible. The Bible tells us to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. It simply means that when we put off this physical flesh as believers in Jesus Christ, we will then stand in the presence of the Lord. Jesus said in John 14, 3, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may also be. So we make it our aim, verse 9, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. It's our aim. It means that it's our goal. We make it our aim. It's a, the strong ambition or goal of our life. Paul is not waiting to get to heaven and then live a life of faith. He's saying, right now, we make it our aim. We make it our goal to be well-pleasing to him while on this earth because of the work that Jesus has done in our behalf, because he has redeemed our bodies, because we find ourselves now walking by faith and not by sight, because of these things, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, whether on this earth or in heaven, to be well-pleasing to him. We don't have to wait until we get to heaven. That starts right now. So if we look to stand in the presence of the Lord when in heaven, doesn't it really make sense that we should earnestly aim to please him while on this earth? Paul wrote to Timothy his last letter in 2 Timothy 2.15. He says, be diligent to present yourself approved of God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We are to be diligent while in this flesh, while on this earth, to present ourselves approved before God. We make it our aim. It's our life's goal that we are to walk by faith and not by sight. In verses 10 and 11, and the last two verses we're going to look at tonight, the Bema seat, I titled this. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one of you may Receive the things in the body according to what you have done, whether good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. And we are well known to God. And I also trust are well known in your consciences. The Bema seat. It's uh, Bema in the Greek. But for me to talk about the Bema seat, I'm taking that from the Greek language itself. The Greek would pronounce it bema, we say bema, but it speaks about the judgment seat of Christ. God has appointed a day in which Jesus will judge the world in righteousness and has given us assurance of that coming day by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So whether talking about believers or unbelievers, the Bible only gives two options, everlasting life through faith in Jesus Christ or everlasting condemnation to those who reject Jesus as the only way of life. The Bible does not speak about purgatory or soul sleep. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So in this life, we have two options for the afterlife. We're either going to stand in the presence of the Lord as believers in Jesus Christ, or we will stand before the great white throne judgment of God as unbelievers and in the Bible, we read of two different thrones, judgment seats, the Bema seat, the Bema seat, 
judgment of Christ is a judgment that is for believers where the Lord will, it's not a judgment of salvation, whether we get to go to heaven or not. It has nothing to do with that. We go to heaven because of our faith in Jesus Christ. We go to heaven because of the work of Jesus Christ, not because of anything that we personally have done other than believing in the work of Jesus. But as we stand before the Lord at the Bema Seat Judgment, there will be that testing that the Lord does where he will reward or strip away the works that we have in this life. As far as testing goes, whether a believer or unbeliever, in Jeremiah 17, 10, the Lord speaking in first person here, he says, I, the Lord, I search the heart, I test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. God is the ultimate judge. He is the final judge. The judgment seat, that Bema seat of Christ, is not a judgment for salvation because we're not saved by our works, but saved by faith. Again, he uses this term in Romans 14.10 where he says, But why do you judge your brother? Why do you show contempt for your brother? Shall we not all stand before the Bema seat judgment of Christ? Paul saying that in Romans 14, 10. The Bema Seat, again, a judgment for believers, not to punish us for our sins. Jesus has already bore our sins upon the cross. This is for reward of our faithfulness to him. There's got to be this judgment, which Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 12 through 15. He says, if anyone builds... On this foundation of gold, silver, precious stones of wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become clear. For in that day, speaking about judgment day, in that day it will be declared because it will be revealed by fire. It will, each one's work will be tested of what sort it is. If anyone's work is built that it endures, he will receive reward. If anyone's work is burned, he suffers loss, but he himself is saved, yet so as through fire. So just picture this. He, he gave six things that we can build with. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw. Now the testing is fire. So think of gold, silver, precious stones going through a fire. At the end of the fire, the shape might be changed a little bit, but you'll still have gold, silver, and precious stones. But put wood, hay, and straw in a fire. At the end of the fire, you're going to have ashes. It's going to be burned up. Paul said, if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. So it's not a judgment of whether we're saved or not. It's a judgment of reward or loss when we're in heaven. But to the unbeliever, those who have rejected the gospel, Jesus teaches a punishment of eternal punishment. Jesus taught that those who have never heard the gospel, though he says, though they commit great sins, their punishment will be less. Listen to the words of Jesus talking about those who stand before the great white throne judgment. Jesus said, but he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes, shall be beaten with few. For every one to whom much is given, 
from him much will be required to whom much has been committed of him they will ask the more the judge of this earth we need to understand that the judge of this earth is is both righteous and just god is both righteous he is also just and so he is going to do what is right my old uh, lily and i as young adults our Sunday school teacher, Wayne Grudem, I saw on a Facebook post not too long ago, he's like considered one of the top 10 teachers in the United States now. I used to have him as a Sunday school teacher before he was famous. Wayne Grudem, he writes books on theology. He said of this final judgment, in light of the final judgment, Christians should be able to forgive each other freely for we know that all accounts will be settled on that day and all wrongs will be made right the final judgment also provides us with an encouragement to tell others about Jesus to encourage unbelievers to turn from their sins and to look to Jesus for their salvation that there is a coming day of judgment it should motivate us to share Christ with others as Paul said in verse 11, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but are well known to God. And I also trust that we are well known in your consciences. Because of the terror of the Lord. Phobos is a Greek word for this word for terror. And I struggle with it only slightly because I think in the church, when Paul uses the phrase terror of the Lord or the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews 10:31, it is a fearful thing to stand or to fall into the hands of the living God. In the church here in the 20th and 21st century, they have come to take this phobos, this Greek word to translate it saying that when talking about believers, it speaks about respect or awe for deity that we have this reverence for God. But what if Paul actually meant terror of the Lord? That if we would in our flesh think of God who created the heavens and the earth and everything in it, God who is righteous and just in all his way, God bringing judgment upon every man, woman, and child who's ever lived from the beginning until the end. What if Paul meant terror? This is the first, in the Greek, the first definition of this means a state of severe distress, arousing intense concern for impending pain or danger. Maybe it's just that we need to balance these two definitions out. The two definitions that I have from the Greek, I read the one to you, that of severe distress or that of profound respect, reverence or awe. Maybe for the church, we need to come to a place of balance with these two and to remember because of the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Now for believers, we know that we have been justified. We know that we have been redeemed. We know that God will judge, but it's not a judgment of rather of either separation or life. It's 
we're being judged, it's that of rewards or loss of rewards, but we'll still be in heaven's glory. We have this house. But it's also to be a motivating factor for us to share our faith with others. Since it is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God, having come to the knowledge of the terror of the Lord, then this should motivate us to witness for Jesus, to be persuaders of men, as Paul words it there. This word actually means to convince by argument. To convince by argument that others should also believe. Now, when we think about argument, and sadly, it often happens when we try to share our faith with others. We think, the first thought for me when I think about an argument, I had an argument with Lily. You might think they had a heated exchange of words. They raised their voices at one another, angry at one another. We think of argument, we kind of get that in there. Lily and I haven't done that this week. The first definition of an online dictionary, when it talks about argument, this is what it cites. To give reasons or evidence in support of an idea, an action, a theory, typically with the aim of persuading others to share one's view. Then in a subpoint it says this, persuade someone to do or not to do something by giving reasons. That's what Paul means. We become persuaders of men. It's an argument of persuasion. I'm giving you reasons why you should trust in Jesus. Not an argument that we get mad at one another and I'm never talking to that person again. You're not going to win anybody to Christ that way anyways. We are to be persuaders, to give reason. In fact, Isaiah 1.18 says, Come, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. They were red like crimson, they shall be like wool. Even God says, Come, let us reason together. So knowing the terror of the Lord, especially against those who do not believe, the judgment that will come upon the unbelievers. Paul sought to give reasons, both for believers and unbelievers, concerning the coming judgments of God, the Bema Seat judgment, the great white throne judgment. Paul and his ministry team, they had this confidence that they were known by God as believers in Jesus Christ. We need to have this confidence that we are known by God. I have come to describe this is having a surety of my faith. When I was in my early 20s, I came to this place to where the Lord just gave me a peace. I struggled for a while about whether I was actually saved or not. And the Lord gave me a surety. And that's the best way that I can describe it. It caused me to think of it here because Paul says we have this confidence. I have this confidence. Because of the work of Jesus. The Bible teaches about two thrones from which God will judge. The Bema Seat judgment or the great white throne judgment. The question for everyone to ask, from which throne will we be judged? So we are to walk by faith. 2 Corinthians 5 verses 1 through 11. We've looked at a tent versus a house. 
And we learn in verses 1 through 4 that being no longer of this world, we are to groan for our heavenly home. In verses 5 through 9, we saw faith versus sight. And we are to make it our aim, our life's goal, to walk by faith and to not, not by sight. And in verses 10 and 11, we looked at the Bema seat and the Bible teaching about two thrones from which God will judge. The Bema seat judgment or the great white throne judgment. The Bema seat judgment where believers' lives will be tested, the works will be tested, but not that of either salvation or loss of salvation. Or the great white throne judgment will God will judge those who have not believed for that eternal judgment. The question remains, from which throne will we be judged? It's my hope that we will be those who will walk by faith and not by sight. Everyone who walks by faith, it begins by placing their hope in Jesus Christ as the Savior of their life. It is Jesus who has paid the price of our sins through his work upon the cross. And only through believing in the gospel of Jesus Christ can we even learn how to walk and what it means to walk by faith. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today. And may the Lord richly bless you as you worship him today.